Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Well met, fellow adventurers. I've just left the Copper Hill Lodge. And then he come back. And something has happened. We have a suddenly on the screen. Bump! The large, broad-shouldered man you've just bumped into is on your way. This is the way into the lodge turns and unleashes a volley of curses in your direction. Upon locking eyes with you, and apparently realising who is addressing so vulgarly, he dons an exaggerated smile and bows deeply. I'm sorry about that. Little. I'm sorry about that, he says patronisingly as he takes a step closer. Now you be a good little thing and apologise. Before I forget how to be nice. You may be the new prize about the old lodge, but that means nothing to me. You recognise the imposing black-bearded figure standing at arm's length to be none other than Winvor, a particularly nasty brute, once a favoured of Robert Baden. However, his pageant, perchant for drunken, violent outbursts in the hall, Coupled with your arrival and subsequent success have served to land him out of favour with a notorious lodge master. Wenvover. Wenvor, his insincere smile, rapidly twisting into a frown, folds his quick arms tightly against his chest and glowers at you unexpectedly. At you expectantly. So you can apologise or refuse to apologise. I'm going to refuse to apologise. You shake your head and smile, signifying by way of simple gesture you have no intention of apologising. Wenvor, failing miserably in his attempt to pretend, pretend that your response does not bother him, sneers as he pokes his finger at your back. Well, just don't let it happen again, he grumbles. I'd hate to have to teach you manner, manners in front of old Wogie and his lot. Oh, I'll just stumble and let it lie. With no further desire to remain in the presence of the obnoxious man, you are about to take your leave of him when, in surprise gesture, the bearded brute asks you to join him for some of Wog's Nog. The merest mention of the potent brew is enough to give you a second thought about accepting the offer. What is Wog's Nog? There's a law book entry. Wog's Nog. This thick, flavourable ale is only found at the Copper Hill Lodge. The ale, a favourite among some of the more hardened members of the lodge, bears the shortened name of Wogmaster Wogpadden. By all accounts, the brew is extremely potent. I wonder how it compares to Hammertong. Because, well, there's no real way to know, is there? It's not like they give the percentages. And, you know, since it's not real, you can't, you know, test it. 
Alright. I'll accept his offer. Or I could suggest a different drink instead. Suggest a different drink instead. Well, I suppose there'd be no harm in it. There's been no harm in it, says Wenrover, giving you a funny look, following your suggestion of choosing a different brew. Which will it be? Plenty of everything throws through this old hall. Wenrover names three ales currently available, providing his own, his own brief, colourful description of each brew. So I can choose Trithic Rust, a thick, bitter, reddish ale. I can choose Oak, Oak Throat, an extremely bitter and potent ale. Or choose, or choose West Wayne, a mild and creamy ale. Or I could go for Wog Nogs as original, as originally intended. Ooh, potent, potent. Let's go for Oak Throat. The oak throat proves to be much stronger and far more bitter than Wenvor's description led you to believe. Only a few minutes after having finished the potent brew, it begins to feel to you, to you as if the entire hall is spinning. Picking a number. Bonus of 38. 18 from body, 20 from spirit. Got to get 75 or more. 115. Success! With only with great effort do you manage to stave off the undesirable effects of the potent ale. As your head clears, Wenvova seems prepared to call for more of the brew. But suddenly, the bearded brute has an apparent change of heart, smiling. He's telling you he's learning to control himself. That's what old Woggy calls it, he says. I suppose it's something I never really learned. Well, I'm not too old yet to try. You spend just a small while longer with Wenover before the massive bearded man tells you he must be off. I was on my way somewhere when we had our little one in. Say, he says, frowning painfully. Well, then, that's that. I'm on my way again. With that, Wenover bids you farewell and strides out of the hall. In the wake of Wenover's somewhat abrupt departure, you're overcome with a sudden chill. A column symptom of the draftiness of the Grand Old Lodge. As the second shudder runs through you. Do I shudder? I don't think I do. You step away from the door and make for one of the hall's warring fires. Now that's something I definitely do. Okay. The adventures for this occasion is Whispers. And that involves working with the Night Whispers. So I'm going to avoid those quests. I mean, they have been played with Zoop, so you can, um, if you keep scrolling down, you'll eventually find them. Seek out Taskmaster Masbor. Ventures for this location, Breaching the Deep. The one who did make it back is no longer here, said Marple. Well, a lodge master believes it's about time we had another go at it. He's picked you for the mission, a small, secretive sort of mission. Very small, very secret. Start this adventure. Could be normal or scale, let's do it normal. This task involves no collateral. It's a rather special sort of task. Marple studies you closely, as if attempting to determine whether or not what he's just said 
have produced any effect upon you. Seemingly put out by your lack of reaction, he frowns and lays out the mission. You learn that late last year, Lodge Master Wabadam came in possession of a map that detailed the location of some ancient ruins not far inside the southern edge of Dragonmere Deep. An expedition organised by the Lodge soon after the map's discovery ended in disaster. Three of the party's four members never returned from the swamp. The one who did make it back to us is no longer here, says Marple. Well, our lost masterpiece is about time we had another go at it. And he's picked you for a mission. A small, secret disorder mission. Very small. Very secret. It's quite an honour, you know. When you ask Marple why what about him is so keen on investigating the ruins, the one-armed man's brow furrows then, as he is satisfied with the response he's formulated, his expression reverts to its familiar stoic state. Marvel tells you that Wadabadam believes there's a treasure chamber somewhere in the ruins. You learn that the previous expedition, still a sore subject, few dare breach in the presence of the lodge master, failed to discover whether or not the belief held any merit. The man who returned from the deep was a shattered soul, he remarks. We could learn little of any use from him. Don't misunderstand, though. The deep. And some of the things that call it home. Have known, been known to have that sort of effect on folk. It's doubtful, of course, that someone of your experience and abilities would find yourself similarly effective. I'm willing... I'm willing to allow Marpole's account of your first exposition to end here. You ask him what became of the man who came back alone. He's gone, he says flatly. Perhaps fearing that his curt response will leave too much to imagination, he quickly tells you the man left the lodge, bowed for Talonus, and never again returned. Sensing he does not wish to entertain any further queries regarding the previous mission, you decide for now to make no further mention of it. You learn that you will be accompanied by a man named Erika, a master boatsman and fellow lodge member, whose knowledge of the waterways that snake through the tangled deep is thought to be without equal. No sooner has Marpole named your companion for the impending mission, does a short, portly man, his stubby fingers wrapped around a sloshing tabard, stumble up to the table. He regards you with a quizzical look, and then, obviously unable to help himself, breaks into a feat of obnoxious laughter. The taskmaster rolls his eyes, and then, somewhat good late good-naturedly admonishes the man. As the drunken man teeters off across the crowded hall, Marple mutters what sounds like an apology. Yes, that was Eric here, he says, answering the question you've only just considered posing. He'll be fine. You needn't worry about him. He's not good for much, in the usual sense, but getting into the bog and back out alive is something for specialty of his. It's a pity you couldn't take part in the last expedition. Might have turned out differently. As you can see, he's prone to be out of sorts. Now and then. Any other event, I'm sure you'll be glad to know him. Bear in mind, says Marple, his demeanour suddenly screwed, that our lodge master only wishes you to locate the ruins, to prove they actually exist. He has other plans for exploring them, should they be found. 
There is, of course, a generous reward for success. Both Rog, the Logmaster, and I have full confidence in you. Marpa reaches into his pocket and draws out a ragged square of cloth. Inked in black upon the tattered fragment is a strange symbol. A seven-pointed star surrounded by a wing of fire. You will need to use this mark to ident- identify any wounds you find, he says. It is our... That, that is our lodgemaster's belief that the symbol will be prominently displayed. Don't ask me any more about it, though. Beyond what I've just said, I know nothing. Marple hands you the cloth and tells you to keep it. You study it carefully, then slip the piece of fabric into your pocket. But it's, it's not an official item, you just have it. You best get your sleep. It's been suggested to me that you should embark as soon as tomorrow morning, he says. You need not worry, Erica has studied the map, and believes he knows the area in which the ruins will be found. As I've said, he knows the swamp better than anyone. He'll get you there and back. Still not certain about many of the details of the mission. Full confidence you can figure it all out as you go. You take your leave of the taskmaster and prepare to, and prepare to settle in for a much needed night west. Less than an hour after the first light of the sun crept behind the endless ceiling of rolling grey clouds, you aboard a small but sturdy vessel, floating along one of the many waterways to exit the marsh next to which the Copper Hill Log Lodge stands. At the helm, his bright eyes scouring the mucky water. On all sides is Erica, the master navigator, a long-time resident of the lodge, seems to be in fine spirit, despite his impaired condition of the previous afternoon. He whistles jovially as he expertly wields two broad-bladed oars in a never-ending battle to right the meandering vessel's course. The watery passage... It's churning currents, dragging your boat ever closer to the edge of the great swamp. Well, according to Erekar, take you to the very spot marked on Walt Baden's map, a sketched copy of which Companion has ducked kept safely into his pocket. At length, you pass out of the, ma- the marsh and plug into the thick of the greater bog. As the channel along which your small vessel floats begins to twist and turn, Eruka reminds you, quite needlessly, to remain watchful. Left, right, above, in front of us, behind, and certainly below, he says. We can't hope to see everything, but if we're expecting it, it can hardly surprise us well. So I like to tell myself, luck, it's all luck. I hope you've got a bit of luck with you. Got 19 luck. Is that enough? Who knows? Probably not. I prefer to have 20. Put our luck together and we might just get it. And it may just be enough to get us back alive. Erokar grins and then laughs as he sets into the oars, propelling the boat further into the channel. Breaching the deep, he cries. Hear that, old woggy? Breaching the deep. For two full days, your craft winds its way along the murky, sluggish channels as you draw ever nearer to the mark spot marked on the sketched map, the crude guide to which Erokar frequently refers. Since entering the deep, 
You've only stepped ashore a handful of times, either to eat, and to recall call of nature, or stretch your limbs. Although I could probably do that on the boat. They're very small limbs. Both you and Erica take turns. I also got out when I saw a cool bug. And then I ate it. <laughs> Both you and Erica take turns resting aboard the boat. Despite the discomfort of the arrangement, you both agree that setting up camp in the bog is too dangerous. At last, on the morning of the third day of your trek, you reach a spot where the channel you have been following since previous midday splits. The broad flow snakes away to the northwest, while a narrow, swifter course meanders off to the northeast. Well, now, that's not on here, smirked Erakar, tossing in the makeshift rope and wa- makeshift rope and walk anchor as he carefully studies the map. I wonder if they might meet each other again. If they don't, well, that makes our next choice rather important. Oh. But why think of such things? Any suggestions? So, I could leave it to Erica, because he is the master navigator, and he's got he's got in and out of the of the deep several times. I could go northeast or northwest. Or I could use woodsmanship to get myself some clues. Might as well do that first. Doesn't commit me to anything. 32 experienced to woodsmanship. After carefully studying the sketched map and observing both channels, you determine that heading northwest through possibly a longer wood will likely prove less, less perilous than a narrow passage to the northeast. When you relate this to Herakar, the grizzled navigator shrugs. If I'm being honest, I don't really don't know what to say, he says. I'm more than willing to to trust your judgment through. We'll take whatever course you think best. Let's go northwest then. Erica nods and refolds the crudely sketched map, placing it back inside his vest pocket. I suppose I would choose that one as well, I think. He says waving his hand at the northwest channel before hauling up the anchor. Well, I don't know yet no whale will take of us, but there is, there is a way we can find out. Let's be off. For the better part of three hours, your small craft, ensnared by the sluggish croggins drawing you deeper into the tangled interior of the great swamp, floats steadily along the broad channel. Only occasionally does Erica employ the oars to keep the vessel from drifting too close to the steep banks that rise up on either side of your course. Slumped down in the back of the boat, you're about to nod off at Erica's assistance. You certainly spot a towering stone sculpture rising out of the water at the edge of the channel. The imposing monument, most of which is hidden beneath the murky water, depicts a sharply angled human face those idols are all over in here says Erica. whose sunken tone bears just a hint of deference as it refers to the sunken sculpture this one is i'd say larger than most though i just don't suppose you want to have a closer look at it would you well, might as well Erica maneuvers the boat up to the idol and you begin to examine the massive sculpture the exposed portion of 
portion of the sunken monument, its angled surface covered with moss and trindles of some aquatic plant depict a human face. The broad eyes adorning the stone face are closed, and the mouth is drawn into a dreadful scowl. Your mastery of law allows you to identify this idol is this idol's ancient art of origin, though little else about the imposing sculpture is readily apparent. Erekar, seemingly nervous in the presence of the idol, mutters something as he continues to scour the gen- dense vegetation. Overhanging the plain bank, suddenly you spot something just beneath the surface of the murky, murky water. Your eyes immediately fall upon a small, glittering object resting at the back of a hollow carved into the idol's neck. To making certain nothing is lurking in the dark water around the monument, you reach you reach into the cavity and remove a silver wing. It's a plain silver wing. It's it's just it's just a regular common wing. Unlike most of the wings I find and bother to pick up, it's not magical. There doesn't appear to be anything. Remarkable about this plain silver wing. Other than the fact that it's made of silver, of course. Erikar appears intrigued with your find. And asks... Uh, and asks if he can have a look at it. After staring at it for almost a minute, he shrugs and hands the plain bang back to you. How do you suppose that ended up in here, he muses. You can't convince me that. Erikar's sudden pause instinctively sets you on edge. But he's at this startled... But his startled shriek as his right hand stabs into the air in the direction of the idol that sends your pulse racing. You immediately look to the top of the monument where a strange and unsettling sight greets your eyes. Perched on the moss-covered ridge crowning the idol's massive massive head and its long black claws gripping the stone is a short, hideous, grey-winged, goblin-like creature the leathery-skinned humanoid. Humanoid, it, its ju- jutting jaws filled with long, protruding fangs, flexes its broad wings as it stares down at you with the cold, calculating gaze of a predator. Your companion curses and shouts a warning as the creature takes the, fl- takes the flight, lifting itself off the top of the monument and climbing several dozen yards into the sky before nimbly flipping in midair and shrieking down at you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uruko again stumbles as he stumbles over himself and lands flat on his back at the bottom of the boat. 
Only moments before the creature is upon you, you hurl yourself to the floor of the boat in a desperate bid to avoid being torn open by the beast's deadly claws. Picking a number. Bonus of 38. 18 from seamanship and 20 from agility. I've got to get 75 or more, or it will claw me to pieces. Pick now. 117 success. Your quick reflexes were spared what would have been a painful encounter with the winged creature's long black claws. Well, I guess if you're tiny, it's easier to, you know, not be in a particular place. As the creature soars up into the air, preparing to make another diving attack, you hurriedly position yourself to protect your fallen companion. With no sound, save for the sharp rush of air created by its beating wings, the ghastly, grey-skinned creature swoops down at you and attacks, swiping out with its deadly black claws. Standing in front of Erika, who is still struggling to sit up, you bravely engage the strange beast. It's a grey-winged creature. I have no idea what it is. It's probably something native to the deep, which isn't well documented outside it. You know, because most not a lot of the people who go there either die or go mad. Or, you know, both. The vicious creature swipes at you with its deadly claws. A sudden surge of energy overtakes you, and you lay four impossibly swift blows upon your enemy for 39 damage. It's nearly done, and now it is slain. 19 XP. You stand over the bloodied remains of the creature, endeavouring to catch your breath while Erica, quite recovered from his fall, prods the gruesome corpse with the toe of his boot. A Brogwin, he mutters, repeatedly glancing at you as he examines the slain creatures. Old Woggy's gonna want it. Gonna want to hear about this, or perhaps he won't. Hard to say. Don't think there were any more... I didn't think there were any of these blighters still around. What is a Bogwin? Bogwin, also known as both swamp goblins and mire claws, are grey-skinned goblins known to inhabit marsh swamps, marshes, bogs, and the like. These crafty, diminutive humanoids are less intelligent than many other species of goblindom, but they lack in intellect. They make up for in cruelty and savagery. Bogrim will often be found living in fortified settlements deep within swamps. They also take up residence around abandoned slash ruined structures. Hmm. Then there's probably one of those nearby. We must be on the right track. Or if that or on the right track to another ruin. Because there are probably many ruins in this in this bog. A small number of Bogrim are born with wings. These creatures through more fierce and agile than their wingless bevrin, possess only animal intelligence. Brig, the winged Bogwin often live on the outskirts of Bogwin settlements, and usually thought as merely as beasts by their kin. Bogwin are master hunters, forgers, fishers, and swimmers. It should be noted that Bogwin is both the singular and plural form of the name. All right like sheep but you know less but only in how it pluralizes 
not in how fluffy they are. When, when, when your companions finish the examination of the Bogwim, the two of you heave the carcass overboard and watch as it slowly drifts away along the channel. Now, if anything's trying to follow us from below, hopefully we'll eat that instead. Evercar says nothing as he again takes up his oars, with his eyes and yours scouring the water ahead. The small craft continues to drift further into the swamp. The third day of your excursion dawns with a noticeable chill that lingers until long after the sun has risen. Erekar, who seems to sleep very little, has spent the better part of the early morning poring over the map he sketched from Walter Byron's original. Something appears to be bothering him. I don't quite understand it, he says, closing his eyes tightly and rubbing the bridge of his nose with his thumb and forefinger. We should have been closer by now, but closer to what? We don't even know what it is we're seeking here. The map's been fairly reliable until now. Well, what now? What to do? How much further do we go? We could float along, long forever in here. Erekar has just returned its attention to the map, tracing out your route with his finger. When you certainly spot something through the wall of vine-entangled trees to the west. Well, that's just a bit better, grins Erekar as you alert him to your discovery. The two of you watch in silence as the boat drifts around a bend in the channel and nears the mouth of wide, steep banked inlet. There. There. Sitting at the edge of the broad pool, its footings and some of its lower portion below the dark, below the dark, lapping water of the bog, the crumbling show shell of a large stone sculpture. The long face of a dragon, some of it missing, is carved into the massive rock slab perched above the building's pillared threshold. A seven-pointed star, surrounded by a wing of fire, is carved into the slab, just beneath the pointed tip of the dragon's sh- snout. You immediately draw out and glance at the piece of cloth given to you by Marple. The symbol, it, the symbol link, inked onto the fabric is identical to that which adorns the stone slab. As your small cleft nears the middle of the pool, Erekar uses the oars to slow the vessel, doing his best to hold it present position. He fixes you with a nod, almost almost impish look and winks. We found it, he says. Always have to keep a little faith near at hand. But what now? Old Rocky's fairly convinced there's a treasure room. If we could find it, we'll have our pick of whatever might be in there. With no one the wiser for it. What have you to say to that? Hmm, yes, but I mean... I mean, we did almost... Hmm, we did kind of say we'd only find it. Hmm. I mean, we can't really hoggle. We don't need all this treasure to ourselves now, do we? Anyhow, got to give other people something to do sometimes. The navigator's unexpected announcement catches you off guard. If you're not, for a moment, you're not certain whether he's testing, testing your loyalty or suddenly revealing a previously unseen side to his character. 
Well, I can agree. I can agree and uh, wade this place before before time, or I could use divination, or I could refuse it. Divination first. It succeeded. Eight XP to divination. Your sense that Erekar has honestly revealed to you his intentions. You also sense he is hopeful he would agree to his bold proposal. Now, in the previous one with Zoop, I'm pretty sure I waded this place. So I'm going to refuse this time. Erekar seems disappointed by refusal. He frowns and shakes his head. For after just a few moments, he suddenly laughs. You're right, he says. As much as we reserve, deserve to have the first peak, it's best not to stray, stray from the task. We've done what we set out to do. It's time to start heading back. Now, if I did go there, I could get adventure tokens indirectly and a lot of gold. So, mechanically... It's all about going in there. Erekar takes up the oars and begins to propel your small craft back towards the mouth of the inlet. Suddenly, a startled look crosses his face. He whips his head from side to side, staring down into the murky water. You immediately peer over the side and see nothing beneath the dark surface of the pool. Never mind, he says returning to the oars. Thought I saw something. Maybe I did. Well... Whatever it was, if it was anything, it's gone. As you near the mouth of the cove, a violent jolt shakes the boat. The sound of something scraping along the bottom of the vessel sends your pulse racing. Erica, his eyes wide, drops the oars and shoots his gaze into the water on either side of the small craft. I knew, I knew I saw something, he cries. I don't see anything now. Can you see it? What is it? As Erekar continues to peer down into the water, he remains silent and still, your eyes scouring the surface of the pool, and your every sense alert for the first sign of imminent danger. After nearly a minute with no further activity, however, you relax your guard and tell your companion to take up his oars and row in the duet and row the boat out of the inlet. Erekar has just opened his mouth to reply when the surface of the pool to your right suddenly explodes. Showing you the cool, silt, wa- silt filled, showering you in the cool, silt filled water of the bog, wiping the muck from your eyes. You stare in horror at, at the head and neck of a massive green scaled serpent now rising out of the murky depths, its horned head stabbing the sky. A trosk! What is a trosk? There's a link. Trosk. These powerful serpents, who wear these days? still inhabit remote swamplands where they rightfully reign at the very tippy-tippy top-top of the food chain. Able to stay submerged for hours at a time, a trosk will erupt from the water to bewilder and ensnare its unsuspecting prey. There are several varieties of these massive serpents, though the majority of them have green scales. Their heads are adorned with a pair of long white horns, the creature will use to attack. These massive reptiles may grow to be nearly 50 feet in length. There are few indeed who have encountered a fully grown trosk and live to tell about it. Well, 
We're just going to add two to that number. Erika shouts something, but his desperate cry is drowned out by the fearsome serpent's ear-shattering roar. With its fang-filled maw stretched wide, the, com- the trosk rears its head and then lunges towards your companion. Erika shrieks in terror and throws up his hands in a futile bid to protect himself from the massive serpent's deadly strike. Well... I could just I could just remain where I am, but that's not very heroic. So obviously, I'm going to throw myself between Erica and the Trosk, because I have more than 300 SP, so I can take a hit. Without a second thought, you place yourself between the fallen companion and the lunging serpent, the Trosk. Strips of slime digging from his clinging to its dagger-like fangs, halts its dive, and again wears back its head, as if reassessing the situation. Then, with a roar that echoes through the swamp, the fearsome creature lunges down, this time for you. So I can dodge, use fortification, or elementalism. Mm, Elementalism. It succeeded. 16 XP to elementalism. You hastily summon your power of elementalism, Elementalism, and watch as the dark water at the base of the Trosk's exposed neck begins to wildly churn. Bewildered by the sudden activity caused by the three water elementals that answered your summons, the fearsome serpent wars as it swims away from the boat. The Trosk is about 30 yards distant when it suddenly slips down into the murky pool. It does not again breach the surface. He wastes no time tending to Erica, and relieved to find that he made it through the encounter relatively unscathed. As he opens it up wide, he shakes his head and manages a nervous laugh. Well, I did say I thought I saw something, he says. I don't think this little cove is big enough for two of them, but I'll rather not take a chance on it. Let's not, ta- let's not tarry. Hand me that oar, will you? Are you alright? They ought to hear all about this back of the hall. A real story, for a change, would be something quite welcome. With that, you take up your now familiar perch on the opposite end of the boat, as Erikar sets into the oars, propelling the small craft towards the mouth of the inlet. Takes you three days to make your way out of the deep. Only once do you become hopelessly lost in the maze of channels that spiral web this, the tangled mire. Quickly putting your heads together, however, you and Erica manage to correct your course. When at last your boat, small boat passes out of the swamp and into the marsh from which you began your mission, you whisper a thankful prayer, for you cannot swear to it. You're certain you caught a glimpse of your companion during this day. Thank you, All Father, for making it so that we didn't die. (laughs) Or not, or whatever it is you do. You're a bit, you're a bit ineffable sometimes. Your turn to the lodge causes something of a small stir. News of your mission, despite the secrecy with which it's conducted, Seems to have spread throughout the hall. Hmm. Well, I didn't talk. Maybe Erica talked. 
to make Erica to make matters work, quickly consumes more than his fill of ale, and begin, begins relating details of your journey, though not every detail, to anyone willing to listen to his increasingly incoherent ramblings. Lord Master Wadabadden, seemingly unconcerned about the navigator's behaviour, takes you aside and asks you about about the mission. That ale soaked full, friend of mine as he is. He isn't very good at remembering things, he says, almost growling out the words as he eyes you cautiously. So, what happened? What about and listens, grimacing at haze occasionally, he's providing with a detailed account of your journey into the swamp and your discovery of the ruins marked by a seven-pointed star symbol. You manage to leave out a select few pieces of information. Yes, for example, if I did raid that treasure chamber, I probably wouldn't have told him about it. The keeps, the deep's full of dangers, he grumbles. But you made it back. It can be done. It's been done before. And you've just done it again. What's more, you successfully completed the fa- task. Fine job of it, Sir Crokington. You asked the lodge master where he, when he plans to send the next expedition into the ruins. He shrugs and does a rather poor, poor, poor job of feigning disinterest. He, t- he tells you he will first need to carefully consider what you told him. Don't worry. I'll be having you headed up. It's been an age or two since we've had one like you about. Walter Baden's grin swiftly turns into a scowl. Don't let that blow up enough news get you too cheery, he snarls. You've done something you can talk about. But I'm not all sure of you yet. It was after all just one small job. Not even sure I like you. Now, don't quite take it to heart. To be fair, there are very few I do like. Following your talk with Wadbadam, you meet with Marple. The one-armed taskmaster seems particularly impressed you made it back alive. He tells you he's glad you were able to carry out the mission, and both you and Erika returned safely. He's a dear friend to many of us, he says, his demeanour suggesting anything but warm feelings for the navigator. But these days, he's at his best. I'm sorry to say, but the flagon in his hand. Still... He knows the deep better than anyone. Marple presents you with two leather bags, each containing a large quantity of gold. That's 2,500 gold in each bag, so 5,000 gold total. You've made your mark here, he says. Not just with the lodge master either. Remember, though, that you're not where your loyalties must lie, no matter what. Puzzled by his last statement, you ask him what he meant by it, but you get no reply. Instead, the taskmaster smiles and turns his head back to the table that serves as his familiar haunt. Putting his parting, parting remark out of mind, you settle in next to the fire and stretch your feet out towards the hearth. As the crackling blazes, warm glow washes over you, chasing away the last vestiges of the swamp's damp chill. A sloshing tankard is thrust into your hands. Startled, you look up to find a tall, heavy-set, bearded man standing just over your shoulder. The unknown man nods, winks, and moves off across the room. You call out to thank him, but your voice is swiftly devoured by the incessant cacophony that fills the lodge. 
You want with the full tankard resting against your midsection. Your wary gaze crowd, roams the crowded hall. The first time since drawing the lodge, it seems, it seems to you that not every glance wandering your way is brimming with contempt. And that finishes the adventure with 1,024 experience to general and 128 experience to all skills and powers. There's more adventures not unlocked. What lurks beneath with your heart? That's another Oakenstone mask-inspired adventure by VWK. With your heart pounding furiously, you strike out at the distant fogs fog-shrouded shore, praying with every desperate stroke you'll reach the land before we go back. If Marple is any... And are there any adventures here? Yes. And we've got Waylayers. It has been unlocked in the main part of the Copper Hilt Lodge. So, a couple more adventures left to do in the Copper Hilt Lodge. But, those will be for a future episode. And until then, farewell fellow adventurers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.